Really, and I I have learned that we use you know a lot, so we are trying to actually reduce saying that. And if you are listening, please do not start a drinking game on how many times we say you know. <laughs> But I think as hosts, we are so much more composed now. We've learned not to panic when there are glitches. You know, somebody's internet is going off, or you know, all of these kind of like bloopers that that come that come in while recording a podcast. Right, and I think we've become more perceptive to uh, auditory cues also because you know when we were recording in a studio, it was easy to catch up on body language cues. But now that it's all online, I think we've learned how to interview people online better. So it's been really fun. I think I think we have learned so many things that we didn't know before, and it's only going to feed into our next season and many more seasons to come. Yeah, it's been so great, and I'm so happy to be wrapping up this season because this season was really special to us because we wanted to focus on untold stories, and that's what we are going to be speaking about today. Um, you know, we covered all sorts of topics, and we learned a lot from that. You know, um, in our previous episode with Anubha Yadav, we chat about how men are affected by the patriarchy and how you know should books have trigger warnings. uh what are the moral and social responsibilities of writers and that just brought up so many questions so we thought we'll unpack it for you today in this episode on this episode we are going to recap some of the episodes from season 3 and some of the fantastic stories that we've covered why we're drawn to them and why those stories should be amplified like farah bashir's episode on growing up in kashmir and many many more and we're also going to be discussing as i mentioned um you know issues like cancel culture issues like uh, depicting difficult things in books and we're going to be discussing writers from you know Aesop's fable to Lolita to a little life and we're really going to be unpacking what is the purpose of books in literature yeah tara i can't wait to discuss that and it actually took me back to the time when i first started thinking about untold stories you know it was actually after a video by chimamanda adichie which is called the danger of a single story what's that video about also it was really interesting because she spoke about how uh, for example if there's just one story that's written about a third world country let's take um the continent of africa right so there are lots of countries in it there are lots of stories but there's always just one version that gets circulated abroad so <laughs> it's a really hilarious incident of when uh, one i think when a white person came up to her and said oh i'm so sorry to hear you know are all the fathers in nigeria um abusive i think it was something like this and then and then she had a really interesting uh reply and she said oh are all the people in america serial killers and i could not <laughs> stop laughing my god and i just thought oh yeah isn't that what we do we just stereotype people based on what stories we hear yeah, in the media I'm, and that's so funny because it it made me immediately think of white tiger and how some people you know hated the movie in the book and some people really loved it and you know because it shows 
the the poor side of india when there's so much more but then you have you know now luckily we have content like indian matchmaking and all these <laughs> other things that that are showing right. a diverse range but it really does make you think about the lack of diversity i remember even going to bookstores you know in london and new york because i was studying there and all the stories were about you know which is great because it's that market but a lot of the stories were you know either white people doing the same things which you know it's fine but it was a little boring or like this sort of you know uh, orientalist view of other cultures um and that's something that is very important to unpack right and and it uh, suddenly just reminded me of priyanka chopra song oh exotic exotic <laughs> Like Indian stories and or you know Asian stories, they're just so exotic to the to the West. So um, you know, talking about I think uh, single stories, Tara, I, I'm also thinking about retellings and and different versions of stories. So I I suddenly remembered our conversation with Avni Doshi way back in season one, where she told us that she's reading out this uh you know fairy tale of of the Red Riding Hood and the Wolf to her child. but the difference is that the book is actually told from the wolf's point of view and i found that fascinating like like i grew up thinking the you know the wolf is a bad guy <laughs> what and then what did she say the wolf is not a bad guy yeah so actually apparently we you know our generation grew up listening to the story that you know the red riding hood she's an innocent girl and she ends up uh, you know going to this house where this big bad wolf is there but now the story is retold and the, and the story is actually narrated by the wolf and he says hey i'm not the bad guy i have my own side of the story <laughs> yeah, yeah. that just that's a funny perspective it's also you know it, it makes me think about how things age um and it makes me think about friends because friends is a show that all of us indians absolutely adore and watch again and again and and there are so, certain jokes in friends that you just could not make today uh however you know when watching friends i put it into the context that you know it was made at that particular time and i'm sure if those actors and directors made it today they would not uh include those jokes and there are but it's very interesting because there's certain jokes that i can get past and there's certain that i just can't like the fat suit and monica and it, it really makes you think you know should we be canceling things or should we be situating them in their context uh what is it what do you think So Tara you know how is it how it is for me like friends is obviously very popular but when i approach any um, art right it could be a film it could be a story it could be whatever i always like to see the good side of it and the bad side of it and i think honestly that that's what makes us human um if i would see a work that is 100% perfect that is that is something which is i would say so flawless that that one couldn't pick something out i would honestly think a software has written it or created it because i think humans are um uh, flawed by nature but that doesn't mean that you know you can get away with anything so i do feel there's a very fine balance that you have to maintain nowadays and i do think writers or directors are going towards a right path of being considered yeah i mean definitely you know like there's room for all of us to grow yeah. but before we get more into this conversation i know we're like dying to get into it i want to discuss yeah. uh a little bit about the stories that we covered in season 3 and how they were so unique to us in our own way so what we have done is we have picked our top 5 to share with you and we're going to mention one thing we learned in these diverse stories that we haven't hadn't come across before 
Yeah, so the first one, which is both of our favorites, but I think Tara is especially really, really, I, I would say, mind blown by this. It is Rumors of Spring by Farah Bashir. So Tara, why did it really stand out to you? So a little bit of context, it's about, you know, the author, it's a memoir, it's written in first person, and it's about the author's growing up years in Kashmir. Um, and, you know, I personally, you've, you hear so many things on the news, and it's all sort of, you know, people dinner time conversation um, and you never know quite what to make of the situation so hearing it from the horse's mouth in this way uh, was really really interesting to me and I, I don't think that I've ever read an account like this it was like a modern day Anne Frank's diary right like we could actually feel her pain through that account Okay, so the next one, and this is Michelle's, one of Michelle's favorite was The Impeccable Integrity of Ruby R by Moni Mosin. Yeah, Tara, and actually what's, what's interesting in this is I wasn't a part of the episode. You actually interviewed her, but when I listened to the episode, I learned so much because I loved the book, right? It's about a social satire set in Pakistan. I never imagined the Me Too movement there. And I'm so glad that we're covering South Asian writers because I feel through these two seasons we are also um, delving a lot into indian culture and into indian history but i really want to cover other south asian writers so this episode was really refreshing for me and i kept listening to it on loop later so what was it like recording without me tara honestly i really enjoyed the conversation with moni but it was no fun at all because you know part of the whole appeal is the buddy reading we do and the banter and deconstructing it oh, together oh so sweet <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah. yeah so our next book is um, another book which which i think unpacks a lot of pain and trauma like farah bashir's book it's called the remnants of a separation by anshul malhotra so tara why is this book your favorite i know that it's one of your favorites I mean, honestly, it was such a different way to look at the pain and the trauma of partition. I mean, who would even think of covering all of these stories, you know, through the prism of objects? And it made me wonder, you know, what about those people who couldn't take, you know, objects with them or, you know, they must have left behind so much. And I mean, this is one of those books that really, really made me think that, you know, we've just scratched the surface. I mean, there are so many stories out there. And that's why, you know, we are doing an essay contest about this. And uh, there's just so much out there. It's so difficult to capture. So here's a reminder. If you have a partition personal essay to share with us, please do so by the 4th of September. Details are also on our Instagram account. Okay, so speaking of Pakistani authors and diversity within our own season, one of the books that, Michelle, you really loved, which I have edited, is Skyfall by Sabah Kareem Khan. Right. And the book is set in Hira Mandi, which is actually the red light district in Pakistan. And I became quite attached to the characters, Tara. Like Asher and Rania, uh, they have this amazing love story, India-Pakistan story, that makes me return to the book every time. But I think apart from the love story, what I really liked was how she shed light on these women and, you know, who are caught in these claws of evil men in such areas and how, like, Rania fought against everything to get out of it. For me, that was like one of the most inspiring things. And, and I would read that book anytime for that. Another book that really stole our attention was obviously because of the title. It goes like this. What is a lemon squeezer doing inside my vagina by Rohini Rajgopal? But the book is way more than the title. 
Yeah, I mean, the title is funny, but the book is, you know, heartwarming. It's serious because it tells a story of Rohini's journey with infertility. And this is another one of those stories. It's just not out there. I mean, can you imagine? It's the first such memoir of a woman dealing with infertility because in India, infertility is such a taboo topic still. So this really did try and smash some of that taboo. Yeah, and I think uh, a big shout out to Penguin because, you know, a lot of people say that big publishers don't amplify, you know, debut writers or it's very difficult to pass through to them. So I would say championing a debut writer, especially for such a topic, hats off to them. And speaking of debut writers, another book that really, you know, stood out and uh, and represented something new was The Anger of Saintly Men by Anubha Yadav. Right. And I really like the book. Um, Firstly, I'm drawn to short stories a lot. And this was a very experimental format where it also reads like a novel, but it's also like short stories. And it covers uh, the male psyche like I have never seen in in contemporary Indian literature, at least stuff that's been coming out recently. Because I'll say, you know, maybe because we usually seek out stories by women, right? We We are really drawn to women's issues. But I felt that Anubha really tried to get us back uh, into really, I would say, empathizing, uh, you know, different genders, different roles. And it really made me look at men's lives with so much more empathy. So that's a bit of a roundup. Uh, as you can see, this season, we've really, really focused on the underrepresented, the untold, the unheard and buried stories. And, you know, big shout out to the publishers as well for, uh, you know, starting to publish such unique, unique pieces of work. Yeah, and, and also I would say shout out to editors <laughs> for helping these stories get there in, in the form that they are in. Because, uh, because you know, I've always felt this as a writer, Tara, that especially when you cover such serious topics or I'll say such um, socially um, aware topics, there's a lot of uh, burden on the writer. Like you often think, oh, am I doing justice to this topic? So I'll say that it is not an easy feat. It's not an easy task to pull off. But these writers have managed to do it so well. And that only reflects on their support system, who are the editors, publishers and and everyone. Yeah, I mean, I really hope that, you know, we can continue seeing such stories. And and it's so encouraging because I would encourage everybody who's writing out there to tackle issues that haven't been before, you know, go the tough way. uh, And you never know what you may find. But, you know, speaking of, um tackling difficult issues it also moves on to the question that we really want to unpack in this episode is that you know uh when you do speak about tough issues do you have a bigger responsibility which is uh less personal and more social right and we'll also be discussing um you know freedom of speech versus responsibility right we are all for freedom of speech and I think, uh, Tara, I was asking you the other day because you, what you said was really interesting that there is a very big difference between hate speech and freedom of speech. Yeah. So, you know, in this debate that happens between, you know, cancel culture and freedom of speech and, you know, being correct, being, you know, uh, giving the trigger warning, uh, oftentimes, you know, it's easy to mistake. But hate speech is speech that basically incites violence. Uh, that that makes threats, that is violent behavior. Having a different perspective doesn't necessarily have to be hate speech. So, for example, if I read the story of uh, the wolf in Red Riding Hood, that's just the 
first person point of view of a different perspective and i think that deserves to be told and it makes me think of lolita you know because lolita is a classic and lolita is being studied in schools and lolita is essentially a first person narrative of uh, a pedophile yet it's being studied in school and yet it's a classic because what it does is it shows the trope of unreliable narrator and that's what that piece of art is trying to do so you know the book is intentionally trying to get the reader on the narrator's side to show how you can use the first person narrative uh, sort of to create these alternative realities so it's sort of a manipulation of uh, of the reader uh, and that's why it's a classic but it makes me think in today's you know uh, mill you you know would it be published today would i be okay with you know reading another lolita yeah thanks for that tara that was i think a very nuanced way of looking at the book which i think most um, readers and writers do but yes if you're talking about the topic and about it being a pedophile's point of view i definitely think that it will not last today because i have had conversations with readers where some readers are just repulsed by it they say how can this be a classic right not everybody is into the language not everybody is a big fan of humbert humbert's um i i would say way with words they don't get carried away they don't get manipulated they just say oh my god this is a disgusting book <laughs> let's not read it no i mean my first reaction to it was disgusting as well and but i read yeah. it for literature class you know and it is it brings up so many of these issues yeah i mean it's very interesting and also you know um so we were speaking to anubha in one of the episodes and you know the book covers very difficult topics like homophobia you know suicide and we asked her you know uh do you think that there should be a trigger warning before your book um and yeah michelle we asked this question because we both read a little life by hania yana gihara and it dealt with some very very difficult topics uh there's a lot of suffering right um and nowadays so many things have trigger warnings books don't have trigger warnings yet and it just made us think you know should there be trigger warnings uh for books and share a very interesting answer which maybe you can share and then you can share your own perspective michelle yeah so i what i i like what you said about um art also being subjective right um i think what we also do when we give trigger warnings or disclaimers is that we assume that these things might disturb the audience right but i think it's also open for interpretation because while you know beauty is subjective i think also darkness and and uh disturbing material is also quite subjective so what she also said was because she's covered a lot of male lives right in her book she also says that um you know gender is fluid nowadays so that's interesting so she said that you know basically books don't need to have trigger warnings because you know things are subjective and you know you sort of agree i don't know exactly where i stand on that spectrum um i i don't have an answer for that and i'd love for our listeners to also you know write into us and let us know what they feel about whether books should have trigger warnings but i do believe you know uh, obviously we have trigger warnings for our own episodes yeah. um and i just feel like that's the correct thing to do for content that i'm putting out out there uh, i know right. that books have a different sort of agenda because it's also you know art it's a reflection it's a tricky kind of situation i don't know yeah and it's fiction and it actually reminds me of this book tara it's called a clockwork orange um and I, it is full of violence right it's this whole world that the writer creates that it's quite violent and it's actually banned 
in a lot of countries. And and when I read that book, uh, you know, just like Norita, as you mentioned, we get carried away with the language, right? Just like that, here the author actually invents a language, right? So there's a language which is, um, I'll say, a mix of Russian and another dialect that he's created on his own. So as a writer, I was mind blown by the craft. I said, yay, like somebody has, you know, created created a whole world from nothing. But then when I actually, you know, took a step back and I thought about it, or, you know, I would say, is it harmful? Could it influence somebody to become violent? And, you know, what was interesting, Tara, that the writer for many years did not think that the work was problematic, right? He said, no, it's a piece of art and people could interpret it in their own way. But as he approached old age, he said, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it does have some negative effect on society, which I found very um, mature. Yeah, that's that's such an interesting debate. And again, it brings us back to this whole question of like, what is the role of books? Are books supposed to reflect or are they supposed to teach? Because, you know, when we're children, all books have a moral, uh, you know, they have morals. You know, you read Aesop's fables. You know, even the Indian myths, all of those things, they have uh, morals that we're supposed to learn from. So are books supposed to teach you or are books just, you know, a reflection or are they a bit of both? I recently took a class for kids and I, I repeated the the moral tale of the crow. Uh, you know, a crow goes to a desert and he's quite thirsty. Uh, not he, sorry. It. <laughs> I don't know uh, yes, the gender. Yeah. But, then, but then the crow goes to a desert and, and it's thirsty. There's no water inside. And, and there's actually, you know, a, a, like there's a pot with a little bit of water, but then what does the crow do, right? So the crow uses its its intellect and it, and it puts pebbles into the pot, which which helps the uh, water rise up and finally it drinks the water. And, and I remember this tale as a child, like I kept, you know, listening to it again and again. And there was a moral, the moral of the story was, and I would say there were several morals, right? So one that I took away from it was, you know, you do, you don't have to give up. Like when you when you encounter a roadblock or when you encounter something difficult in life, only if you work towards uh, changing it or improving it, then then you'll find a way out. But I think just like this crow's tale, there were so many tales we learned as kids. So I'm curious, Tara, which is the one moral story that you remember? Okay, we're going there. Okay, okay. Yeah. What is the one moral story that I remember as a kid? Wow, I nothing is coming to my mind. So basically, I'm not reading stories for morals. I don't think that's a good test. So there's a very right, small right. one, I think, about like the tortoise and the hare. I think that's a very cliched one. But I sort of identified with it a lot because I was always a late bloomer, you know. Um, and I wasn't very good at sports either. Uh, but in the end, you know, the tortoise is finally the one who wins. So that's sort of like, I really took inspiration from that because slow and steady wins the race. And uh, I do believe... Oh, wow, in, you know, really? I would have never yeah, imagined, yeah. yeah. So and I do cool. believe in process, you know, because like, you know, you just put your head down and you sort of take it a day at a time and you do what you have to. And then, you know, the result will sort of compound but now we're going into a completely different territory. So let's bring it back. I love this whole discussion about, you know, are books supposed to have these moral obligations? Uh, or are they, you know, are, are they a bit of both? Um, and it also makes me think about, uh, you know, nowadays, you know, sensitivity reading uh, and the role of that. We as editors get requests for people, from people, uh, to read their manuscripts for you know sensitivity reading and i think that's very very important to do 
um what about you michelle what are your opinions on sensitivity reading and what is a sensitivity reading for someone who doesn't know <laughs> oh i can talk about that for another half an hour tara because actually i've been reading up a lot about what sensitivity reading is what exactly uh, when exactly did it you know start and and what is this whole debate about So I have been really fascinated about it and I've been following Lionel Shriver so she's this author of we need to talk about Kevin and she has a totally different take on it so she opposes it she says that sensitivity reading doesn't make sense because every writer is uh, meant to be creative and every writer should be able to step into another character's shoes now on the other side people who are for sensitivity reading right woke people uh, i will say publishers readers editors writers i, I will say editors like ourselves right where where we evaluate manuscripts and we see whether it could be offensive so for example i just received a manuscript the other day where uh, a character was black and, and the black character somehow turned out to be a rapist and i said oh my god what is this you know there's no background story there's no there's no uh, i would say development but a lot of writers don't know that it might sound racist so that's where sensitivity reading comes in where you let them know that okay so this community or this i would say this uh, part of society has always been oppressed or always been Uh, represented by another community that's where the problem comes in so the whole point of having a sensitivity reader is to make sure that you don't try to talk on someone else's behalf but just i was just wondering because i feel like because i'm a minority right so i'm a catholic in india and if for example uh, you know where we are always misrepresented is in bollywood <laughs> a lot oh of God. catholics yeah, yeah. a lot of catholics in bollywood you know either they are just you know party goers they drink you know they are just Uh, they date everybody they see, or they are maids in someone else's house. I don't know if you have noticed this trope, Tara, but maybe because I'm a Catholic, I've noticed it. But I do feel that uh, this is where sensitivity reading comes in. Yeah, I have noticed it, and it brings me it 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 makes me think. You know, there is a difference between books representing difficult topics and books being problematic, and I think we have to differentiate between the two. So you can hmm. definitely, you know, have a book that deals. sensitively with the issues of race with the issues of homosexuality with the issues of gender without being problematic you know in an empathetic way in a nuanced way but if you're doing so in a way that is sort of cultural appropriation like you said you know the misrepresentation um or a way that is problematic that is where the sensitivity reading comes in Yeah Tara actually this reminds me of Harry Potter and the whole controversy around it right because um, apparently the this Asian character Cho Chang um it, it was quite a misrepresentation you know apparently um, Cho and Chang are two Chinese you know Chinese and Korean surnames and it was just brought together to create a character's name and there were also other allegations against you know uh, goblins being portrayed Uh, as Jewish stereotypes, they have long noses. They work with a lot of money. Yeah, and then recently, J.K. Rowling made some transphobic statements that caused you know a lot of uproar. So it made us think, you know, because we have always said we love Harry Potter. You know, Harry Potter gave us so much, and I still reread Harry Potter, and I'm still you know I I love Harry Potter. But you know, can you really separate the art from the artist? and can you sort of turn a blind eye or can you sort of 
except that, you know, things like Cho Chang or, or the goblins or, you know, misrepresentation as part of, you know, maybe somebody's learning process and also situated in the context in which it was written. I mean, it reminds me of Friends because, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, some of the jokes just would not fly today. Uh, but they were made in a particular context. So, and, and they haven't aged very well. And I'm sure even the characters and the actors wouldn't participate today. Uh, you know, but society has evolved. So should we sort of cancel it or should we give it benefit of the doubt and situate it in a context? I think that some things definitely age very poorly and I don't really know. I don't really know you know, obviously it's very problematic. I don't know what should be cancelled and what should not be. I mean, that is something that I'm very confused about because, you know, you don't know how much impact it's had. You can't measure, you can't measure whether, you know, should we cancel Harry Potter? Like that's as simple as that. You know, some people say yes, some people will say no and you can't measure that and you can't have an answer for that. Right. And I think it's important to learn from what we did wrong. Right. That's, I think, a very, uh, I think, I think that's an evolved way of looking at it. Um, and also, I think you had mentioned, Tara, that you found uh, the Joker quite problematic. I want to hear your thoughts. I did that. not like that movie. I mean, Why? I had a very, oh, you know, I don't have strong opinions usually, but I just didn't like that movie. And it comes back to exactly what we're talking about. So I went to see the movie and Sure, it's a beautiful film, it's a piece of art, it shows, you know, a perspective. And but I just was like, you know, this may, th this is telling people that this sort of behavior is okay. And it's a model, because somewhere along the line, again, like that's, it's a question, right? Are stories supposed to model behavior for us? Are they supposed to teach us? You know, right? No, and it's a trope, and and it, and yeah. it is a trope that I've noticed in Hollywood, Tara, where where they usually show messed up childhoods, and and the person turns out to be a psycho. Oh my god! And then <laughs> and then it's kind of like it's the only trope I've seen throughout, repeated again and again. I think I do I do see where you're coming from, but I think as you know, as a person who's interested in abnormal psychology, I think uh, as a person who's interested in seeing how uh, different experiences probably affect people in different ways. I kind of appreciated the joker in that way, but I do see where you're coming from on how it can um, kind of give a green signal on irresponsible behavior. One of the reasons that we read, you know, we spoke about this in our episode on why we read is that we want to learn about different people's, yeah. you know, behavior. And you are interested in like the abnormal, which is absolutely fine. You want to know about, you know, different perspectives and yeah, the wide range of humanity. And, you know, that's why like, I mean, I've watched things like Mindhunter, right? Because it, right. which is like the story of like why serial killers become serial killers because we're curious. So, I mean, I totally agree that there is a part of us that sort of wants to know about all of these things. And then there's another part that's like wondering, okay, you know, like what is it actually saying to society? Mm. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. This episode no, is all really about, I don't know. <laughs> the, the whole takeaway is, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and actually we are opening up this discussion for all of you so that, you know, we wanted you all to also like, I think have more diverse discussions because, you know, Tara, like I was telling you the other day, nowadays what happens is people kind of trash something or either they praise something to no end, right? There's no middle ground. I do feel that a lot of uh, reviews or a lot of critique of, of books or, or, or movies are becoming very one-dimensional. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I, I have, do feel, yeah. yeah, it comes from an extreme culture where, you know, they either dismiss it 
or they praise it like it's it's like it's a masterpiece. So I yeah. think that's that's uh, both of them are quite problematic, and I would really like to see a balanced view of things. So talking about the art versus artist, you know, there are I mean Harry Potter. Yeah, I don't know the answer, uh, but. you know for me usually i cannot separate the art from the artist so i won't watch any of kevin spacey's movies um and i probably won't read kiran agarkar's books anymore because he was accused in the me too movement uh but harvey weinstein is interesting because he's obviously this horrible sexual predator right but his movies are still on netflix movies like moneyball with a whole cast of characters you know from brad pitt to the screenwriters to all of those people um and the movies are still there on netflix and like sometimes you know i watch them um and and i know many people who do uh they but they weinstein movies but they also movies with other people in them so in that case you know how do you separate the art from the artist yeah true it becomes really difficult to decide i think also when it is a bigger project right as you said when there are many people involved and this kind of reminds me of vs nepal right he's been this controversial figure and and i do know some male writers who are friends and who who worship him literally right so there was a point where i actually you know thought of reading his work and try to separate his identity so just to give our listeners context Actually VS Nepal has been known for making some really misogynistic statements and I don't know if I'm misquoting here but he has said the wo- that a woman's rightful place is in the kitchen and I also remember this very specifically Tara where you know his editor was female right and he said the moment she stopped being an editor and I think she had you know maybe written her first book he said that's where you know I just came to know what her worth is like my god I could not believe yeah, that somebody crazy. yeah really really and and also about you know mistreating the women in his life about about his ex wife and there were so many things and and i really could not uh, after a point separate the two right which is his work so i remember reading miguel street which was one of his really really well known books and i and i loved the writing but after a point i said no i don't think i can separate that image from this yeah so it is different yeah i mean yeah i mean honestly like the answer just is we don't know you know <laughs> right and we'd like to hear yeah. from you guys you know exactly. what do you think and i just had one last thing before we close because you know speaking of the paraphernalia around a book you know because the books don't come out in silence right we are editors we are very closely related to the publishing industry you know i've worked in a publishing house i've worked you know with a literary agent we're trying to do that ourselves and 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 so like it makes you think about gatekeeping you know yes uh, and freedom of speech and gatekeeping is sort of like <laughs> contradictory uh, and who are these people who are sort of sorting through these manuscripts who are the people who are deciding you know what we read what we watch you know they're people like you and me uh and that's a very interesting food for thought and that's why i also like the fact that like i love social media because also you can put i mean it's a two edged sword but you know you you can put out things that you know maybe mainstream publishers won't take up um, and you can bypass those gatekeepers because i liked how you said who are we to decide that's really really interesting because i feel gatekeepers and often people who say oh let's let's not do this right so i feel like we are also flawed people in our own ways and i feel that that's a more um, a mature way of looking at it. so that was really interesting but um, you know coming back to uh, our whole agenda of of us liking untold stories and diverse stories we just wanted to give you a sneak peek into season 4 which is coming up very soon 
So we will be covering a book that is really different from everything else that we have covered, which is called Girl in Green by Tanushree Podar. So Tara, I know that you've edited the book. So would you like to say something about it? Yeah, so I'm really excited about season four. I hope you guys loved season three. We, I think this was one, like, it was such a special season because of the diversity that in diverse books that we picked. And this book is about, you know, the girl, girls in military. Um, and we have many, many more stories like this coming up. We are also going to be doing a bit of fun stuff in season four that we haven't done before. Uh, we're going to be experimenting a little bit more, uh, interviewing different kinds of people having more conversations. So if you have any recommendations for us, if you want us to interview any particular author, talk about a particular topic, do reach out to us. Yes, and we come to the last round of our episode, which is, I'll say, our signature round in all of our episodes, which is the rapid fire round. So yes. Tara, friends or books? Uh, books. <laughs> so like yeah. for you, I want to choose, uh, I want you to choose between editing or writing. Oh, I will say writing anytime. Okay, pen or keyboard? Keyboard. <laughs> yes, I kind of expect What about that. you? Me, I'll say a pen because um, I'm kind of sick of the keyboard during the pandemic. <laughs> I've been using a lot of the screens and I think the pen, using the pen and paper is very refreshing for me. Okay, so you have a poetry book out. It's your debut book. So poetry or fiction? Oh my god, you put me in a very tough spot there. That. <laughs> um, okay, I know that my book is out, but if you ask me to pick among the both, I'd say fiction. Nice. Tara, what is the one untold story that you would like to read about? Okay, so I would like to read about single uh, mothers in India because I haven't come across many stories about single moms in India. What about you? Oh, that's interesting. So I would, uh, like I said earlier, uh, there are not many stories about Gulf migrants. So I would love to read, especially about female Gulf migrants. I would love to read their account. Yeah, definitely. And I, actually, there's, I can't even pinpoint one untold story. Um, yeah, I talk so about some more in my newsletter. And I would actually really like to know all of the untold stories of my grandparents. Literally, that's like my number one, I think. Oh, so while we're on the topic, Tara, I would like to hear one, one story of your grandparents from you. Oh, thanks so much for asking. So my one of my adopted grandmoms, her father was a coconut seller in Kerala. Uh, she passed away last year. So he was a coconut seller in Kerala. And she boarded a train when she was 17 alone. Uh, to come to Delhi and she is not, uh, she can't read or write. So she boarded a train to come to Delhi when she was 17 and somehow she found work as a house help. Then over the course of, you know, her life, she's traveled to Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, um, you know, all kind of places, you know, like worked with all kind of families. And she's had a very, very exciting life. So she's lived with, she had lived with us for around 40 years. Uh, before she passed away and I luckily could record uh, her story before she passed away. I still listen to it very often, but uh, I wish, you know, like I wish all these people who are not there anymore, uh, I wish we could sort of relive their lives in detail. I would love to know more about all of them. Oh, thanks for sharing and sorry to hear about that. But I would love to know her name, Tara. 
because I feel like well, we called her Amma. We called her Amma. She was very special to us, but her name was Lakshmi Nayar. <laughs> oh wow yeah no i mean it's it's really cool because i feel you know like talking about untold story these are the stories which are hidden in a lot of families right it's 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 just there and it's not out there in the world i would love to go about just asking people about their grandparents <laughs> that would be so cool but yeah, yeah i, I feel like everybody stories. should you know everybody yeah. should record their family history and the grandparents story mm. so and we're here to help So that brings us to the end of the episode. I would love to thank each listener out there. We have crossed over hundred k downloads. We have been listened to in different parts of the world, and we couldn't have done this without you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate being part of your lives in every any small way, and hope to see you soon. And keep reading. Yes, and please do look out for season four, which is coming up very soon. Bye. Bye.